You know, I I heard a phrase a few months ago that I can't can't get out of my head. No matter how hard I try to get it to go away. And that is that it's the will of God for the people of God to become like Christ. It's God's plan for his people to become more like his son. And there's just something about that phrase that has destroyed me. Because it, it kind of shattered some perceptions I had of how life was supposed to work. And I think for a lot of us, we get trapped in this same problem. Is that we've been called to a gospel of go to heaven when we die. And not called to the gospel of the kingdom of God. Of putting God first, of putting God above all things, about making God the most important thing of our life, letting God light and direct and guide our path and guide the way we go and direct us and lead us. And so over time, we start building up these walls around us. And, we'll, we, and, and our faith, our relationship with God becomes more about checking a block and showing up than it does about actually engaging with a Savior about actually engaging with a God that sent His Son to die for us. See, as I started preparing for this series, I thought to myself, there's some walls in my life. I've boxed myself in, and it's affecting my relationship with God. Because God didn't call me to say I love Him and do whatever I want, but it's His will for His people to become like Christ. And so you're going to hear that a lot as we think through this series. And the whole premise is that we want to start breaking through these walls that separate us from God. That we want to break through these walls that we've put up in our relationship and in our life that separate us from God. And start dealing with the fact that it's the will of God for the people of God to become like Christ. It's my prayer as we begin this series It's been my prayers, I've been getting ready for it, that that God would begin to tear down our walls, that we would break through so that we could see a more healthy relationship with him, so that we could see that it's not the will of God for the people of God to do what they want, but it's the will of God for the people of God to become like Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for being a God that loves us, a God that died for us, a God that wants us to make us more like you. That you loved us so much that not only did you die for us where we are, but you won't leave us there. You want us to be better. And you want us to chase wholeheartedly after you. Father, just bless our time. Take me out of the picture and you speak through me. It's your name we pray. Amen. Good morning. It's weird speaking in a box. I'm just not going to lie to you. I'm a little claustrophobic anyway. Throw a little claustrophobia in with a little fat, and it's just not a good thing, okay? So, but I'm here. I made it. I could see an opening. It's all good. Uh, I have uh, this. I want to tell you guys about this season I'm in, you know, but I want you to know that every time I seem to talk about how busy a season I'm in, God laughs at me, and then in a year I'm sitting here going, (laughs) I wasn't busy at all then. Um, But I'm just in, it's just in a crazy time of year, and a lot of it's my fault. I don't want to misconstrue that. It's just, it's just been nuts, and and my stress level is through the roof, Um, and so I'm really, really tense, and if you know me anyway, I'm kind of intense anyway. Um, 
I know I know it's shocking, but I am a little. Um, and so I just I'm I'm kind of in this place where I'm flying off the handle about everything. Okay, um, and so something happens, and I'm just and I'm happy, and then it goes the wrong way, and I'm and I'm screaming at people. Uh, you know, I'm kicking puppies, and it's just um, I don't even have puppies, so I have to borrow some. Um, and so it's just this really, I'm just in a really just stressed out place. I'm, I'm, at, my, I'm at my limit, I would say, um, or at least as far as I feel like I'm going to be able to go, but God's definitely bigger than me. And so it's led to some things that God's shown me some things about myself in this process, and I don't like that. And so I want you to know that um, I um, am preparing, I was preparing for this series. God has this really good habit of pointing out things in my life as I prepare to tell you about them. So... Thanks for that, because I'm going to be a wreck for the next month so that we can deal through this together. So if you just randomly hear me say thanks, you know what I'm talking about. Thanks. Appreciate you. Um, a few, uh, couple weeks ago, a couple days ago, whatever, I don't remember, it's all burning together. But there's this guy in my life, he drives me a little crazy. Anybody got that person in your life? You love them, but you kind of want to punch them, right? No? No punch? Okay, cool. Y'all are much more holy than the first service. Because um, everybody was like, mm, people, women elbowing their husbands. Um, <clears throat> but there's, you know, we've all got these people that drive us a little nuts. We love them. We want to love them. But in my little stage of life, the, ten- the tension I'm dealing with is that this, uh, this individual did something that irritated me to a high degree. And I know it's shocking. I know all of you think that I'm about as close to Jesus as one can get. But that was just a joke. Whew, tough crowd. Okay. All right. You want me to start over? Hello? Uh, this thing on. So, I'm back. Um, so, this guy, he did something irritating me. And so, I was kind of treating him like poo for a minute because I was just really irritated. And my wife was with me. And, you know, wives, how they feel like they need to be the Holy Spirit for you. And, um, and so, we get in the car. And, and she's like, something along the lines of, don't do that. Or you shouldn't do that. And, and I just vomited on her. Uh, I mean, it was just like, you don't know nothing, you know, and I just, <laughs> why don't you walk? And, and, you know, we're going through and I'm telling her, you know, and I'm, but I'm really telling her like everything I was dealing with and like why I'm angry and why I'm frustrated. And I'm, I'm just vomiting on her. And of course she knows, you know, being the loving woman she is, she knows that I, you know, I wasn't even in anywhere near ready to have a conversation. So she just is quiet for a while. And then later we start talking and she said something that, oh man. She was, we were talking about it again, and she was like, I, I, the reason it bothers me when I see you act like that is because that's not who you are. Jerk. I don't need that in my life, okay? And then she started telling me, she was like, you're one of the most grace-giving people I know. But when you get mad, it doesn't always stay that way. And so what she was telling me was... Who you are, there's sometimes a divide between who you are and what you do when you get angry. Well, so I made her walk home, and um, <laughs> and that's hard to hear because God was using my wife at that moment to expose something in me, something I keep in a dark place, something I try really hard to keep deep down inside of me, something I don't like to let just anybody see. And God used that moment. To expose something in me. A couple weeks ago, we're here. I don't know if you know, but my wife is the Wonderland director here. And so she 
um, I oversee everything in family ministry, so technically she, we, she works for me, if you will. Um, it's great for our home relationship. Um, there's no blurred lines at all. And um, um, No, I'm kidding. She does a great job. She could do my job better than I could do it. I'm way lucky to have her. Um, but uh, sometimes it gets a little tense for us on Sunday mornings because I'm doing things, she's doing things. And we were standing there, and I was talking to a friend of mine, a mentor of mine, really, we were in the gym, and, and she comes around the corner, and she sees me, and it was like a hunter saw red, man. And and she was just like, and I was like, whoa. And if it was, you know, and I, she didn't wasn't yelling at me. She was yelling. She was just in a, an intense mood, and she needed my help, right? And if you're anything like me, and you're a guy, usually your wife isn't even yelling at you, but it's the tone that just makes you just want to, you know. And so. Um, she's talking to me and I'm just like, you got, you got to calm down. I can't, I can't deal with this. Right. And then, and she didn't. And so I'm like, you have, and I'm getting angry. And my, my little girl, Michaela, my oldest walks up and she's talking, you know, she's wanting to ask this question. And me and Jennifer have some pretty apparent body language. And that is that Michaela is old enough now that when she sees that this isn't a good conversation. So Michaela, if you know her, she's a talk a mile a minute. She never thinks about that kind of stuff. And she came up and she's like, she just kind of watched for a minute. And my friend is all the while sitting here. We're not really even talking, me and Jennifer. We're just looking at each other, saying we don't like each other with our faces. And she, uh, she started to go into it again. And finally, I was like, okay, I'm done. Figure it out yourself. It was a, I was just a big old butt. And she, uh, it, my, my mentor friend was, had the wherewithal to grab my daughter and, and walk away with her because he knew it was about to happen. And so me and Jen very quietly talked passionately to one another for a moment. And I was a jerk, and um, but I we got home later and we're talking about it. And I'm like, I hate when you do that. And she was like, Yeah, I don't care. You're wrong. I'm like, okay. So um, I was like, you know, and I, I'm not the. She is fine with being right and me disagreeing. She has no problems with that. No problems whatsoever. Me, on the other hand, not only do I need to be right, I need her to validate that I was right and tell me over and over again. It's a man thing. I don't know why. And so I'm trying to talk to her. And finally, she's like, I'm not talking about it anymore. I'm like, Okay, fine. And so I, I was just rest assured that I was right. And so later that night, I'm talking to this mentor friend of mine that was there and witnessed the whole thing. And I knew the conversation wasn't going to go in my favor when it started like this. He says to me, so tell me what you think happened this morning. <laughs> yeah, well, at least, unless something really unusual is about to happen, he's about to tell me something I don't want to hear. So tell me what you think. That's a Great counselor way to say, why don't you say it out loud so I can tell you you're stupid. And, and so I told him what happened, what I thought happened. And he was like, well, can I tell you what I saw? And I, you know, I had this moment where I was like, no, you can't. Get away from me is what you can get. Okay, no. And so he, I was like, of course, you can tell me what, what you saw. And, and he says, I saw two things. And I'm like, two things? God. So I saw your wife come up to you and need your help. And you didn't help her. Oh, <laughs> jerk. And then he said, and this one really bothered me. I saw your daughter standing there and your mom come up to you and need help. And you didn't help her. Is that the image you want to portray to your daughter about the kind of father and husband you are? Jerk. And uh, man, that bothered me. 
bothered me. It was a success in one way that I know that that guy loves me. That guy loves me enough to not leave me where I'm at. But it was a failure in another way. God used that to expose something in me. That there's a difference between who I am and how I act when I'm stressed out and tired and angry. There's a divide between the two. Man, it bothered me. It's, I went home, you know, I did the whole, Jen, I'm sorry, you know, I knew you'd get there uh, type of thing is what she said because she's all-knowing. And, um, I, you know, we talked about it, and, I, you know, I just apologized, and she being the forgiving woman that she is told me she loved me, no big deal. But it was a big deal. It was a big deal. And God exposed something in me. And it's led me to this question, this statement that I said just a minute ago, if it's the will of God for the people of God to become like Christ, it's led me to this question that I keep asking over and over and over and over again in my head, which is, why does God expose us? Why does God take those things that we want to keep in the dark, that we want to keep in secret, that we want to keep in hiding, that we don't want anybody to know about, that we don't tell people about? It's not the things you talk about over meals and dinner, but the things that you don't tell people about. Why does he go at times to what seems like great lengths to expose us? Why does he go to great lengths, it seems like, to expose the dark places in us and to illuminate them and put light on them so that uh, we can deal with that? Why does he do that? I really prefer he just not. It's not a fun process. It's not fun dealing with something inside of you that's, that needs to be exposed, something inside of you that you need accountability for, something inside of you that you need to deal with because it's caused a barrier between you and God. It's just not a lot of fun. Why does God feel the need to expose us? Is it because he's this, he's this big you know, bully sitting on a hill and when we do something wrong, he gets to go, ha, ha. Is it that? Is it because he's mad at us because we're imperfect humans and so he wants to punish us by every time we make a mistake, every time we have something in a dark place, he goes to what seems like great lengths to expose it, expose us? Or is it because he's a loving father that cares enough about us to push us to be more than we thought we could? That cares enough about us to expose the things that are holding us back and bring them into the light so that we can have a better relationship with him. So that we can start to experience some sort of freedom here now. Why does God expose us? So that's the question I want to answer today. Or I want to try to anyway. And we're going to look at two stories in the Bible. And one of them is going to be in Mark Ten, and it's the story of the rich young ruler. And we're going to talk about this story every week because I read through this story, and there's just so much of it. So much, and I could, I could, I could camp here for months and just talk about all the different parts of this. We're not going to, don't worry. But I want to use this every week as a launching pad to to dive in a little bit deeper into some other scripture, into some other parts of the Bible, because it talks about things, but it kind of talks about it generically. It kind of talks about it quickly. And so I want to take some of these ideas that God's kind of spoken into me, and I want to take them and go just a step further. And so today we're going to be in Mark 10, and then we're going to flip over into Genesis uh, chapter 20. But Mark 10 is the story of this rich young ruler. And we're going to only read about the first six verses or so. Um, and then, uh, but we'll catch up and we'll finish the rest of it in the next couple weeks because you guys are stuck with me for, for four weeks. Uh, sorry about that. Um, Mark 10, first we're going to start in 17. 
As Jesus was starting on his way out to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and your mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. So let's unpack this first part of this conversation. Guy runs up. How do I inherit eternal life? Jesus looks at him. Do this and this and this and this and this. And the guy looks back at him and says, I'm in. Perfect. I know those commandments. There's a lot of assumptions we can make from that first paragraph, but we don't have time to make any. But he tells him right then. He, the guy says, I've done that. I'm good. And the next thing Jesus says is scary for probably everyone in this room. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuinely, genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go sell all your possessions, give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. So for those of you that are panicking, that think I'm going to tell you that if you want to love Jesus, you have to sell all your things. Relax. The point is, is that Jesus enters into this conversation with him. And this guy comes and says, I've done those things you just asked of me. You said, do this and this and this. I've done it. I've got it. And then Jesus exposes him. Right there, he doesn't blink. He looks at him with genuine love. And he exposes him. He says, great, but what about that thing that you didn't really want me to bring up right now? What about that thing you wish I wouldn't say? I'm gonna, but you wish I, had, you wish I wouldn't say it. Why don't you go and you sell all of the stuff that you've put in place of me and that you've put over importance, you've put importance over, over me that is in the place that I should be. Why don't you go and get rid of that and then come back? He takes this moment and he exposes him. He exposes him. He doesn't blink. And the guy, this is the craziest part about it. The guy looks at him. He doesn't think about it. He doesn't say, can I pray about it, please, brother? His face falls. He walks away. Because he knew Jesus just asked for too much. He knew Jesus just asked of him something he was not willing to give. He knew that Jesus took the one thing he could ask from him, the one thing he could ask for and he could demand of, and he could say, you need to get rid of this thing. He knew he had just asked for the one thing that he would not be willing to give. Jesus knew. The rich young ruler knew. Jesus exposed him. And today, Jesus wants to expose some of you. Today, Jesus wants to expose me. And in a minute, we're going to go into Genesis 20. And we're going to look at a story. And I'm going to run through and, and kind of paint the picture for you. And then I want to look at one statement that, that's made in, the, in this passage. Because it goes into a little bit more detail of God exposing us. Not because he doesn't love us. Not because he's mean. Not because he's 
full of wrath, not because he hates you, but because he loves you. And like a loving father would, he corrects you because you don't understand the impact of the actions you make now. You don't understand that the things you're walking into now will affect you later. You don't understand that the things you do now have shrapnel and they affect the people around you. You don't understand how many times he's probably protected you from doing something incredibly stupid. God wants to expose you so that he can bring you out into the light so that he can make you more like himself. And in Genesis 20, we're going to pick up on this story. And it, all of it's in, if you use you version, it's all in there. But I'm going to run through it just really quickly. Here's the story in a nutshell, okay? Abraham. I'm kind of a, I keep going back to Abraham in my life, in my daily quiet time. It just, it's annoying, honestly. But I figured out why. This guy was used for such huge, huge things, but he struggled. He struggled. He did some really dumb stuff. Repeatedly. He did the, the thing we're about to look at right now. He did it before. This is number two. Time he's done it. Time and time again, he struggled through life. He struggled to work through life. He struggled to get through. He was a guy that had real struggle. And we get to watch his life unfold as he makes poor choices. He does poor things, but then God uses him to do huge things. I love that. Kind of a fan. So we're picking up this story, and, and Sarah and Abra- Abraham's wife and Abraham are traveling. God's called them to go to another land. They moved around a lot. And, and Abraham goes, and he tells Sarah before they get to this new city they're going to, he says, listen, uh, we're going to a godless town, and they don't know anything about you. They don't know anything about our God. They don't, they don't know anything about that. So when I introduce you, I'm going to introduce you as my sister. I'm going to introduce you as my sister. And when I introduce you as my sister, I want you to roll with that because if I because you're a beautiful woman, you you you're beautiful. The the king is a godless king, and he will want you, and he will steal you from me. And if I tell him we're married, he'll kill me. So I want you to lie. I'm gonna lie. I want you to back my play. Okay? How many how many spouses ever been in that position? So he says, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. You roll with it. And so they go to this town and they ask him who who is Sarah? Who Sarah is? They ask Abraham who Sarah is. He says it's my sister. So they say, great, she's going to come with us. For about three months, and this isn't in the text in in that part of it, but for about three months, the whole city is cursed. No woman can get pregnant in the city. So we have to assume there's a period of time there because, you know, I don't think they woke up one morning and tasted the water and was like, don't think anybody's getting pregnant for a while. There had to be a process because there wasn't, you know, pregnancy tests, so nobody got pregnant for a while. You tracking what I'm saying? Anyway, moving on. Uh, So... Uh, they got cursed, and then uh, God comes to Abimelech. This is the king. Comes to Abimelech, and he says, You've made a mistake. You've taken the wrong woman. Give her back, or I will kill the entire city. And Abimelech says, Dude, they both said they were brother and sister. I don't think he called God dude. That's my translation. And, 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 and God says, You're right. I know. I know you didn't. So I'm going to give you a break, but don't be confused. The only reason you haven't slept with her yet, the only reason you haven't gone to the next level is because I protected you from it. And some of us know that feeling, that common grace of where we would have done something stupid, but God had intervened or situations intervened or things happened that wouldn't allow that, allow us to do it, right? Yeah, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're just looking at me like, please stop talking about that. You know what I'm saying. And so he says, I protected you from that. Congratulations. I'm going to give you a break because you're right. Abraham and Sarah both lied to you. Take her back. 
first thing in the morning, immediately, or I'm going to kill you and I'm going to kill your entire city. And that's where we're going to pick up on this story. Because Abimelech says something to him very, very intriguing to me. Very interesting. Because this guy doesn't believe in God. He doesn't hold our same values. He did, after all, steal a woman. He's not completely innocent here. And um, he, he makes a statement, if I can get to it. Um, as he talks to Abraham about why he did this, that it blows my mind. Um, we're going to... Yeah, Abimelech got up early the next morning and quickly called all of his servants together. So he wakes up early. Unless you're one of those weird morning people, there's a reason you wake up early. You either have to or you're stressed. If I'm really stressed, I don't sleep well. Okay, so he's, he's, having, he's freaking out a little bit. I got up quickly, got his servants together. When he told them what had happened, his men were terrified. So they knew too, we got to get this fixed immediately. Then Abimelech called for Abraham. And this is what he says to him. What have you done to us, he demanded. What crime have I committed that deserves treatment like this? Making me and my kingdom guilty of this great sin? No one should ever do what you have done, whatever possessed you to do such a thing. And Abraham replied, I thought this was a godless place. They, want, they will want my wife and they will kill me to get her. I love what Abraham does there. He justifies his bad choice. How many of you have ever done that? Just a, yeah, nobody. Wow, you guys are straight up holy. Y'all should preach. He justifies his bad choice. He says, well, but, well, I did this because. I mean, I've made, I'm the king of justification. I don't know about you. I can justify everything. Well, if they wouldn't have done this and this wouldn't have happened and all this wasn't going on, that would have never happened. I would have been, I'd be perfect if my life was perfect. And so he comes at him, but what I find amazing is that Abimelech came to him, a godless king that doesn't serve the same God that we serve, that doesn't recognize the same God that we serve, that doesn't believe in him other than to know that he might actually kill them. And he comes to him and he says, why in the world would you do that to me? Why would you lie to me and, and, and get all these innocent people in a place where they would be found guilty and killed? Why would you do this to me? No one should ever be put through what you almost put us through. Why would you do that? The thing that I found the most amazing about this is that Abraham went to another city and faced a godless king that doesn't believe what we believe, but in some ways has higher values. And then this guy comes and approaches him and exposes him. And God went to great lengths Great lengths to expose Abraham for this sin. He went to great lengths to expose him for not trusting in the God that called him. He went to great lengths to expose him for being afraid when the only person he needs to be afraid of is God. He went to great lengths to expose those things he keeps in dark places. To expose those things that he doesn't want to tell anybody about and that he doesn't share with his friends. He went to great lengths to expose Abraham and bring something that was in the dark out in a illuminate it. He used a pagan king that didn't believe in God to approach him and say, why would you do that? He went to great, great lengths to expose him. And I look at that picture. I look at that picture that's been painted for us, for, for us, excuse me. And I think to myself, how many times has God gone to great lengths to expose me? How many times have, I used to call it Millard's Law. 
anything that can go wrong will. Because I couldn't, for some reason, keep my lies afloat. The stupidest, strangest, most ridiculous things would happen for somebody to find out something that I had said that was untrue or something I had done that I shouldn't have done. God would go to great lengths to expose me. And probably in your lives or some of you out there sitting down right now thinking he's gone to great lengths to expose me at times. He's gone to great lengths to bring what's in my dark places out into the light and illuminate them so he can make me more like Jesus. But we don't look at it like that. We're afraid. We hide from it. We don't want it. We don't want to be exposed. We don't want to deal with what's in the dark places. And here's the deal. He's doing that. He's going great lengths to expose you. Something as far-fetched as using a pagan king in a pagan land to call him out and say, why would you do that? Why would you do that to us? Did you not understand the shrapnel that that decision was going to have? Did you not understand that God was going to intervene for you and kill us? Did you not understand that you didn't need to lie because you serve a God that's bigger than you and he prepared the way for you? Why would you do that? And there's so many of us in here that need to be exposed so that God can start making us more like his son and more like him. Because he wants to do that, not because he's mean, not because he's hateful. Some of you are in parents are in here. You understand? You don't, you don't tell your kids no. You don't, if you're a spanker, you don't spank them if you're a timeout bird. You don't put them in timeout just because you think it's funny. Bend over, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spank you. It's going to be good times for everybody. Cheers. It's because they've done something that you don't want them to do again because you understand that the consequences of the decisions they are making now have a great impact later. Right? The consequences of what happens now have an impact later. And they don't know some of the things that we know. Right? They don't know some of the things that we've done and you can see them going down the path and you're like, oh, please don't do that. Please don't. I'm begging you. I'm going to hit you if you do. Please don't do that. Don't put your hand on the stove. It's hot. Okay. Go to great lengths to expose this on our children. I have, my son is three. His name's Mason and he's a blast, but he's a character. And uh, one day, I don't remember how it happened, but our candy, we have this like big candy bucket. It's got nasty candy in it. I don't because we like collect it from Halloweens and Easter's and <laughs> some of that stuff. I like chew on it, like, I like start twitching immediately. I don't know what's going on. Um, but the kids eat it, and so we don't mind feeding them really poor things for their health. And so, um, and one day we left it down by accident. And Mason's a ninja, um, and he's like he'll get on the counter and get up in the cage. He's not scared. And so he had some candy. He had like four pieces of candy in his hand, and he's sitting down when I come out. I'm like, what are you doing? It's like eight in the morning, and he's like, I'm just having some candy. Want an, uh, want an obvious answer? Ask an obvious question. So he starts, uh, you know, he starts telling me more about it. I'm like, okay, eat that candy. No more. No more. What did I say? How, many, how much more? No more, Dad. Perfect. We're on the same page. Good. I'm going to go do whatever I needed to do. And all of a sudden, I hear him flying up the steps. And then he closes every door upstairs. And I'm like, what was that all about? Now, I'm not trying to be weird or gross you out, but Mason has some... Potty issues, he's still trying to figure out how all that stuff works. And so it's not abnormal for him to close everything when he has to go to the bathroom. But the weird thing is he's a typical male and he waited till the last last second. So normally when he goes, he's walking kind of like this, you know what I mean? Because he's waited way too long. And so, um, you know, so he's running up the stairs. So I'm like, that's weird. So I'm going to just go check this out. This feels weird. So I went and checked it out. And I go up there and I open it. I'm like, Mason? like, no. 
That's an, that's an odd response. And so I go into the bathroom and uh, I open the door and he's sitting there on the toilet with not using it. it he's, you know, he's, he's dressed, the, all, both the lids are down. And uh, he's got two suckers in his mouth, jammed in there simultaneously. And he looks at me, he's trying to cover them up with his hands. And he's like, Hada. I'm like, dude, didn't I say no more suckers, no more candy? He was like, yeah. <laughs> so you remember, we're on the same page. Good. Why do you have them? Because I wanted them. Obvious answer to an obvious question. So I hit his head against the toilet. No, I'm just kidding. And so so <laughs> I'm, ta- I'm talking to him. I'm trying to talk him through this and work him through this little deal here. And, and I'm trying to help him understand when dad says, no, you can't do it. Dude, it's like 8 in the morning. You're going to have like, you're going to go into a sugar coma. You can't have this much candy. You're going to bounce off the walls. Your mom is going to hate me. Please, what do you, you know, don't, it's not good for you. Don't do this. When dad says no, you can't do what dad says no. It's about having some character integrity. I didn't use big words like that for him, but I don't have time to explain it to you like I did to him. So I'm talking to him about that, and he's like, okay, can I have the suckers back now, please? No. Awesome. So I got nowhere, I don't think, but. The point is, is that Mason was confronted. And then he still wanted to do what he wanted to do. And so he did what we do. He did it in the dark. He did it in the quiet. He did it away from everyone where nobody could see him. And I had to go and expose him. Because I want my son to be a man of character and integrity. A person that when he's told not to do something or he can't do something, he listens and he respects that. And he respects the people that are put in authority over him. I want him to be a man that leads the people he's around, not a man that follows all the different directions the world can take him. He doesn't know at three that I'm determined he's going to change the world. But God, we don't know at times that God's exposing something in us because he's determined we're going to change the world. And he goes to great lengths to shed light on the things we do. Not because he's a jerk, not because he wants to be hateful, but because he loves us and he adores us and he knows that the consequences of the decisions we are making right now have a greater effect than we could ever possibly imagine. He knows the consequences of the poor choices we're making now will have a greater long-lasting effect than we can possibly imagine. He knows that the consequences of the decisions that we make now have shrapnel and they affect and hurt the people around us in a great way. He knows and he wants to expose those things in us so that we can be in clear relationship with him. Uninterrupted, unintruded relationship. Because over time we start building these walls up around us. We start putting ourselves in a box and we start just using our faith as a way to, we just show up, we check our box, we go back home. And that's not what God has called us to. He didn't call us to get saved, go to heaven, done. He called us to be a people that become more like him. It's the will of God for the people of God to become more like God. He wants to to expose us so that he can free us from what holds us back from the things that keep us from moving forward with Him. His exposure leads to our freedom. His exposure of our dark places and the things that are inside of us leads to our freedom. And we have to make a choice. Listen to me. If you don't hear anything, this is really important to hear. We have to make a choice of whether we are going to allow Him to or if we are going to 
come back and we're going to go back and we're going to retreat and we're going to go and sit in the bathroom by ourselves and do it anyway. Because the issue is very rarely that we don't know we're doing wrong. The issue is that we choose to ignore it and hope that God won't care. And it's the will of God for the people of God to become like Christ. It's not the will of God for the people of God to do whatever they want. He exposes us to make us more like him so that we can accomplish more than what we ever thought for him. See, the killer thing about this is in two chapters, Abraham is asked to sacrifice his son. And he does. He starts to and God intervenes. But he was, he was willing to. He was going to. And God intervenes and says no. 3,000 years later after that story, he uses that example to show us who Jesus is going to be for us. God used Abraham in a huge way. When he describes himself, he says, I'm the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He used Abraham to do great things, but he had to expose some things in him first. He had to expose those dark places in him first. Not because he didn't love him, but because he's a loving, gracious father that wants more for us than we could have ever possibly imagined. He's a loving, gracious father that wants us to be free of what holds us back and the things that keep us boxed in. He's a loving, gracious father that wants to tear down those walls and break through. And get you moving towards him. Because it's the will of God for the people of God to become like Christ. If you think you're sick of that statement now, wait four more weeks. Wait four more weeks. Last thing I want to look at in Mark 10, we're going to go back. Is when Jesus exposes this guy. When he exposes the rich young ruler. He says to him, go and sell all your possessions. Go and sell all your possessions. And the guy face drops, he walks away. There's some of you out there sitting out there right now saying, I wonder what God wants to expose in me. Let me help you. If Jesus was standing in front of you, and not the cute kind of like we're in Sunday school as kids, and if Jesus asked us to do it, we'd do it, yay! Whatever, okay? You're not that holy, I don't think. Some of you are, great. I, I believe that. So there's some great faithful people in this room. But there are most of us that have, there's something I have. I'm going to tell you that right now. There's a couple things I have that if Jesus approached me and stood in front of me and said, give up that and come and follow me, I'd, my face would drop and I'd walk away. Because I know he just asked me for too much. And each and every one of us probably have something like that for us. It's probably, it might not even be a bad thing. It might be your family. It might be your kids. They're taking that place. It might be your husband. May be a bad thing. Might be drugs, alcohol, pornography. Might be a relationship you shouldn't have. A friendship that's gotten too out of control. It, there's no limit. But there's something that if I said to you, if Jesus was standing in front of you and he said, go and get rid of that thing, your face would drop and you would walk away. And if we truly want to be people that become, that are becoming and in the process of becoming like Christ until we die, until we go, because we'll never achieve it, but if we want to be people that are in that process until we get there, then we've got to figure out what that thing is and we've got to let it be exposed. Not because, not out of fear like, oh no, this is bad, but because God is telling you, if you will let that out, if you'll expose that and let me bring light to the dark, I will, I will heal you from it. I will help you work through it. I will put people in your life to help you get there. And then you can focus on me.
You can get rid of these walls that are around you. You can get rid of this stuff that stops your interactions with me and the stuff that blocks your, your relationship with me. You can get rid of all that stuff, but you've got to let that thing, that blank for you, you've got to let it be exposed. Because I promise you that God is a God that pursues you and chases after you and that will go to great lengths to expose you to bring him back to himself. He is not a God that loves you apathetically to leave you where you are. He is a God that chases after you because he wants to be in relationship with you. He wants to use you to accomplish great things. It's the will of God for the people of God to become like Christ. And our exposure leads to our freedom. And until we allow those things to be exposed, we're going to be held back. What are those things? What is that thing in your life? That if Jesus was in front of you right now, he said, get rid of that. Come back. Your face would drop and you'd walk away. This isn't a fun sermon to preach, okay? I didn't, I didn't stay up yesterday going, I cannot wait to get to church tomorrow to tell everybody to be exposed. Perfect. It's not a lot of fun. It's not a lot of fun for me. Thanks. But I know that I know that I know that God has purposefully gone to great lengths to expose me, to bring out my dark places, not because he doesn't love me, but because he does. He loves me enough to chase me, to come after me, to get me and bring him back to him. So that I can really be in freedom. God wants to break through. God wants to tear down your walls. First, we've got to expose those things that are in dark places. Let's pray. As every eye is closed, every head is bowed, I, I want to give you guys a minute. Um, I want to give you a minute to pray. To talk to God. There's no special words, okay? Just talk to God. And deal with, for just a minute, that thing that needs to be exposed. That thing that needs to be exposed in you. That thing that if God asked you, get rid of that, your face would drop and you'd walk away. We're just going to take a minute. And I want you to pray about what that is for you. I want you to just talk to God. Father, um, we thank you that you are a God that loves us enough to come get us. You're a God that loves us enough to chase after us, to go to great lengths for us, for our protection, for our healing. Father, I thank you that you aren't a God that hates us. You aren't a God that's mean. You aren't a God that's trying to punish us continuously, but you're a God that wants to expose the things that are in dark places in our lives so that we can become more like you. So then we can start to live in freedom. Father, you didn't call us to a go to heaven when we die gospel, but you called us to a we get to go to heaven while we die. But right now we're chasing after wholeheartedly the kingdom of God and making your name big. 
Father, we know that it's your will for our lives to become more like your son. And we enter into that process knowing that it's not something that's just going to happen. It's not something that's going to be easy. It's not something that we're ever going to achieve. But you're faithful. And Father, my favorite part of the story in Abraham is at the end. After the king has exposed him. He gives Abraham goats and land and silver. Clears his reputation. And says, this is yours. Father, so many times we are held back by ourselves. When in reality, you have something greater for us on the other side if we would just trust you. You have something greater for us on the other side if we would just believe in you. If we would just trust that you are who you say you are. That you are a God that called us and you're not going to leave us alone. You're a God that's called us to places to do things and that you will prepare a way. And if we'll get the things that are in the dark places out of our lives. That you are a God that has better things for us that are yet to come. And that there's things we need to get rid of so that we can have the part of that story that Abraham had. Where you gave him goats and silver and land. And you made your name big. By showing Abraham, hey, you've got this issue. But I still love you. This is what I called you here for. And if you would have just trusted me, you would have gotten there faster. Father, thank you for being the God that loves us enough to expose us. Father, I pray that your words have been heard today, not mine. It's your name we pray. Amen.